1: For six weeks in September and October, the United Auto Workers Union went on a historic strike against three big automakers. Nearly 50,000 workers walked off their jobs at Ford, General Motors and Stellantis, and didn't return until there was a sufficient deal on the table.
0: This is the first time in the 80 plus year history of the United Auto Workers that the union has struck the big three automakers at once.
1: That's Lane Windham a labor historian at Georgetown University. Wyndham says that many of the issues fueling the strike had been festering for several years.
0: The workers are saying that the company following the great recession of 2008, that the workers took major concessions at that time. They didn't get wage increases for many years. They agreed to a two-tier kind of employment structure. And retirees didn't get increases to their pensions that were comparable to the increases in cost of living. And so the workers are saying, hey, the big three automakers got bailed out following the Great Recession, and the workers themselves, we have not caught up. And so the new leadership at the UAW and the workers are saying, now's the time when we finally need to deal with the increased cost of living now, but also make the kind of ground that we lost following the Great Recession.
1: In addition to fighting for competitive wages, employees also pushed for greater health and safety precautions on the clock. There was also a push to ensure the future of these jobs as electric vehicles cut into the market share. For many union members, there was little reassurance from auto companies that they would keep their jobs in this changing landscape. So, what ultimately drove workers over the edge? After all, many of these issues had been ruminating since the financial collapse of 2007-2008. Kate Bronfenbrenner, a senior lecturer and director of labor education research at Cornell University, says it all started when the union elected new leadership.
2: The first step was that the workers, the UAW members, got new leadership. They were frustrated with the old leadership, not just because there was corruption at the highest levels, but because they also felt that they weren't fighting for them. They were settling contracts that weren't good enough. And so they chose more militant leadership that came out of the auto plants, came out of Stellantis. And those leaders hired staff who came out of some of the unions have been most aggressively organizing and fighting. So when they got elected from the very beginning, they said, we're going to strike if we don't get these changes. But that's what they were elected to do.
1: One of these new leaders is UAW President Sean Fain. He ran on a platform that promised no corruption and no concessions and has taken a more confrontational approach towards automakers than past presidents. Wyndham says that under Fain, the UAW implemented a strategy called targeted or stand-up strikes.
0: Traditionally, what the UAW has done over the years is they have chosen one of the big three automakers and sort of had negotiations with that automaker lead. And if there was a strike, such as there was in 2019, for instance, it would be against one of the automakers. So in 2019, it was against GM. And then they sort of bang out a settlement with that automaker, and then the rest sort of follow in in a pattern bargaining here. Sean Fain has taken a very different approach. He is bargaining with all three openly at the same time. And rather than taking everybody, at the automakers, out on strike, he has chosen to do selective strikes at particular production plants or parts suppliers in order to put pressure on particular automakers.
1: The stand-up strikes were unlike anything ever seen in labor union history instead of striking all the companies at once plants were called on one at a time to stand up and walk out of work since the big three never knew what plant was next they couldn't prepare or hire temporary workers in advance during this month's long strike the big three lost hundreds of millions of dollars and this coordinated walk-off cost the u.s economy over nine billion dollars but after years of low pay and poor conditions The UAW felt they had no other choice.
0: JAM announced that to its shareholders that the strike is causing it to lose up to $200 million a week, that they have lost about $800 million overall. And it's being felt in other areas, too. So much of the economy and the communities where these manufacturing plants are situated, the larger community certainly depends on jobs that are related to the facilities. And that is true also up and down the supply chain for these manufacturers. So it's having an impact. I believe that the UAW fully understood the kind of economic impact that this could have on the corporations. And that is part of the strategy is to basically make life uncomfortable enough for those companies that they will agree to settle.
1: And that they did. After nearly two months of striking, all three companies met UAW at the table. Part of the new deal includes a 25% pay increase and a reinstatement of the cost of living adjustment, which ensures wages go up with inflation. The agreement also gives union members the option to transfer to battery or electric vehicle plants as the industry shifts away from gasoline powered cars. This coordinated walk off ended in a win for tens of thousands of auto workers. Nearly 80% of Americans supported the UAW strike, and it acted as another example of the growing labor activism movement in the U.S. Bronfenbrenner credits this rise in unions and strikes to the pandemic, as people were asked to risk their health and safety for their employers. But now, with corporate profits at an all-time high, the average worker still hasn't been rewarded for that sacrifice.
2: They are frustrated and angry and over things that have been going on a long time, but somehow COVID coupled with soaring corporate profits had everything reach a boiling point. But really it's the, if I'd say anything for all these strikes, it's that sense that while we sacrificed and we suffered and we took risks, corporations were sitting pretty and the gap between what they make and what we make has grown so wide that it cannot justify our current conditions. They can afford to pay us and we've had enough. And the fact that they risked their lives and their families' lives during COVID drove it over the edge.
1: The auto workers' strike has brought about a larger conversation on workers' rights in general. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average US auto worker on a manufacturing production line makes about twenty-eight dollars per hour. Compare this to the pay of each of the three CEOs of Ford, Stellantis, and GM, which ranged between 20 and $28 million as of last year, according to the Economic Policy Institute. And these pay discrepancies are seen across nearly every industry, leading to rising tensions among working-class Americans at large.
2: You're seeing strikes in every industry. We have teachers going on strike because they feel like they can't get better quality education smaller class sizes, and for the common good, striking to make sure that students get access to good food and housing. We have healthcare care workers going on strike because they feel like they're not able to provide decent patient care.
1: Looking ahead, both Windham and Broffenbrenner agree that more strikes are on the horizon and public support is crucial to the success of these movements. To find out more about Lane Wyndham, Kate Brunfenbrenner, and all of our featured guests, visit ViewpointsRadio.org. For more behind-the-scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Instagram, X, and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Grace Galanti and Amira Zaveri. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Gary Price. Coming up on Viewpoints...
0: We just meet to get together, to help each other out, to support each other.
1: The fun and camaraderie of running with others. Then, here's an ancient culture that had been closed off from us, that nobody knew what was going on. And then someone finds this for set in stone, and all of a sudden they can learn what that culture was all about. How a 2,000-year-old stone unlocked the secrets of an ancient civilization. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week.